Thank you for joining us for the first session of a new story of Dungeons & Dragons. I'm your host and Dungeon Master Kenny. Welcome to a new story, a campaign called the Sword of Yalzar campaign. Now, some of my returning listeners might be familiar that this seems to be... Uh, oh, well, we've heard this already. And that's true. We already tried to run this campaign once before, but due to logistical errors, the campaign sort of fell apart. Everyone's still copacetic with each other. There wasn't, like, weird... Uh, creative differences or anything crazy like that. We were all still very good friends, just we couldn't meet in person anymore. So, uh, I grabbed a whole new group of friends and we're gonna try this story once again with some different things. So if you are a listener from the first time we tried this campaign, buckle up because it's not gonna be the same. So, <laughs> we have a full six person party, starting with our rogue. What's up, I'm Brindlin. Our ranger. I'm Rodnar, the orc rogue, or uh, ranger. <laughs> I, do, I do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, our cleric? Leon Donbringer, may be, the sun be with you. Our sorcerer? Orwellio, I like it, it's girly. Our druid? Biju, cub, thistlewallow, naive gnome. And our paladin? Hey guys, it's Finn Farstep. Party on! <laughs> so, uh, as we sort of did a little bit of Session Zero uh, unrecorded, the, there are certain reasons why all of these characters are coming to a particular town called Latchburg. In fact, some of the characters here have actually been staying here for some time. Last, I believe, we actually left off uh, last week. Uh, you guys had all made it to the inn, is that correct? Or did you not even make it into town yet? Uh, some people were in town, I believe Rodnar and... Green were in town. Me and Cub were dancing our way on the road on our way to. <laughs> okay. We stole we stole some food. That's right, because there's a little festival going on. So let's talk about that festival a little bit. This this there the Adventurers Guild, which is a sort of worldwide throughout the world of Yalzar, uh, a very influential group, where you know they they send people on adventures. A sort of like you know some local townsperson or local lord you know has uh, a rat problem in their basement uh, they go to the adventurers guild outpost post say hey you know i have this need it's this severe i'm willing to pay this much money or the like barter this kind of good for it to get handled and then the adventurers guild finds you know adventurers and then they go take care of it they come back the guild takes their cut the adventurers don't have to, like, knock on every door and be like, I'm a good Samaritan. Do you have any rats in your basement for me to punch? <laughs> you know, it's it's a professional thing. It's a, I hesitate to call it a union, but it's it's basically that. Uh, so some of you are here on official Adventurers Guild business because you heard that there's a the sort of big deal going on. Uh, some of you are here by happenstance and by life, uh, and some of you are just here because you heard something was popping off. So this little... Um, preamble fe uh, festive thing is sort of to bring awareness and to welcome there's a, there's a large influx of people here. Some of you who have been here a couple of days may have noticed like you know this is a somewhat sleepy town Latchburg. You know it's 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 got its population, it's got its farmers and such. You know it's a little more than a crossroad town. You know people live here and, and whatnot. Uh, but the amount of human, uh, not humans necessarily but the amount of like humanoids and people in Latchburg right now is easily three and excuse me three to four times as much as normal. So this place is busting at the seams. 
uh, and it's pop. It's 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 a lot of fun. There's tons of like fun activities to go and do and earn a couple copper or silver at a game or something like that. Uh, test a skill. But uh, there's something for everybody, and the music is high in the air, and it's about middle day. So I turn to the party. What, uh, those of you knowing where you are, what would you like to do? Hmm. Well, Leon's probably just kind of watching the festivities from afar, not one to, to really partake and doesn't like big crowds of people, but he's always on the lookout for menaces to society. Uh, with this many mm. people, there's certainly a large number of merchants in the area. I would be there. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a regular like pseudo bazaar that's sort of opened uh, on the side lines of the festivities where all manners of traveling merchants or even local merchants that are just like not getting any business to their store that are setting out you know, racks of clothes, bolts of cloth, you know, anything in terms of general goods to trade goods. You know, people are, are trying to sell their their restaurant, you know, public house food out in the open, like, you know, like a food cart sort of situation. So just about Ooh, every kind cards. of expected business going on. Is, a, is there a table full of tchotchkes and knickknacks? And patty wax. Cool, that's where Orwellio is touching all of them. Okay. Uh, do, are you looking for anything in particular, or just like... No, he uh, is never looking for anything in particular. Um, <laughs> uh, anything that would look um, cartoonishly spooky would definitely have him. Okay. Not real spooky, but cartoonishly spooky. Well, let's say that amongst the several groups of people that are selling you know, assorted goods, the uh, local apothecary is a middle-aged, uh, you know, on the younger side of things, uh, gnomish woman. And she has a few shelves full of accoutrements. Some of them are like incense and burners for such incense. Uh, some of them are poultices and healing salves, maybe. But uh, you, you kind of give everything a look over and you're like, that place looks like it's Halloween 24-7. Let's check that place out. Yeah, he's in. He's over there. Um... Oh, the poultices seem nice, though. She greets like you and asks you if there's anything in particular that you're looking for. Uh, no, no, I'm just looking. Um, he would kind of awkwardly glance around before he'd um, kind of poke at some of the, the healing poultices. Well, what are these? Ah, of course, a very talented eye. You would immediately, as an adventurer, as you seem to be, go for some of my healing salves. These salves, much like potions that you've probably heard of that can close your wounds with the drop of a cork, these can be applied with a healer's touch or with a with a medi with a medicinely trained hand uh, and can expediate the healing process with quite the level of, I dare say, magical efficiency. Mm. How much are these things? Well, if I were to sell you a, a, a sizable pad of the salve, which would get you about a good two uses out of it, uh, dependent upon, of course, the grievousness of the wound, I could easily sell it to you. And considering the festivities, I'd give you a good price of 30 gold. Mm. He would rumble around in his pocket for a minute. 
And um, while he's reaching around in his pocket, does she have any hats? Oh yeah. Is there like a is there like a straw hat? Uh, no. They're mostly made out of like cloth and felt. Perfect. I buy this. You throw in that felt hat. She nods and says, "Make it thirty-two gold, and you're done." Chase. He would uh, hand her the gold and then uh, hold out his hands primarily for the hat. Okay, and she hands you the hat very immediately, and as you sort of fondle with it for a moment, uh, you can see that she is um, taking the sort of sizable jar of this uh, south and dolloping it into a sort of uh, waxed paper and bundling it tight with twine. And hands it to you. And it fits about in the pad of your hand quite full. Um, and it, it, let's say it's maybe the, the density, or not density, the, the thickness of like a pancake. Ooh. Um, he would kind of awkwardly smile at the woman and uh, nod. And um, really almost leave without saying goodbye once their business is done. Okay. Of course, after grabbing the hat. Right. And he would turn around. And uh, he put the hat on the skull. Okay, it's a uh, it's like a gray hat. Yes. Okay. Beautiful. All right. And then he just wander around. And... All right. So, anyone else have any interactions for the for the fair? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna look around for some some merchants who look like they could uh, some restaurant owners who look like they could be in need of some fine spices. You find a, a glut of such opportunity. I'll, uh, I'll strike up a conversation with one of them, and uh, you, know, you, you have such a fine restaurant here. You, you deserve the best spices. I, I have a pound of the best ginger you've ever had. Hmm. You must, uh, must buy it. The gently overweight human uh, sort of paws at his beard seems to be like almost combing it with his fingers and uh, says huh ginger you say I haven't used ginger in my recipes in some time allow me a small sample and we'll talk about price I I take a sliver off with a knife and, and hand it to him he sort of smells it takes a deep whiff and then places it on his tongue and you can see him chewing it almost like gum and you can see his face wince with the intensity that ginger tends to bring to a palate yeah. and uh, as he sort of swallows the piece of ginger and he goes oh that is fine ginger yes I think I could put it to uh, put it to use how much do you have uh, well I, I have only one pound now but I, I trade regularly and would uh, very easily come across more if I came back to this town. Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, well, and he sort of, like, steps a little closer to you and rests a hand on your shoulder, uh, turning you away from the festivities a little bit, and he points to uh, a public house. Um, he says, that's my place. It's uh, Gerald's Gentry's. You come by whenever you have some of that ginger, and I'll gladly pay you by the pound. How do you think... Uh, eight silver sounds. Uh, eight silver. That's a, that's a that's a little bit light uh, for ginger. 
about, uh, about, uh, 15 silver. Hmm, 15 silver. He sort of jingles his hand upon his pouch. You can hear it's somewhat hefty with coin. <sighs> Ginger is hard to get around these parts. You call it 13 silver and we have a deal. I think you I think you made a deal, sir. He gladly sort of fiddles through his uh, sizable pouch and hands out to you a, a gold and three silver. Yeah. Making profits. <laughs> as as you bring that ginger pie to me, and I'll buy it at that rate per pound if it's good. All right. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll remember you. What, what was your name? Uh, Gerald. And that's Gerald's Gentry. Okay. Anybody else? Where's uh where's everybody drinking at this party? There's a fair <laughs> amount of drinking everywhere. Um there's definitely some parts that where the drink is light if non-existent, but I mean, you know, you see a fair amount of the locals have uh sort of posted up on the outside of the festival and are sort of enjoying their local brews as it were. Um see definitely a couple of taverns that are boist you mean you can pass as as you and Cub sort of come into town, you can see that some of the taverns are still bustling with activity and music. Uh but uh one of them in particular that you walk past has uh, uh clearly the barkeep. You I mean he's wearing the apron and the whole thing. And uh he's he's gently leaning against the door frame, you know, keeping the door open with his foot and just sort of sipping his ale as he sort of takes in the view of the town hall or the town center and uh, as you all pass he sort of gives you a big hearty smile and a bow of the head said he's the innkeep presumably he's dressed like yeah. a barkeep I mean you've seen barkeeps before like okay. and what's the um what what's the uh activity within the tavern sounding like is there like a lot going on or is his like one of the quiet taverns. I, I wouldn't. I'd say it's pretty middle middle of the road when it comes to that. Like, there's you can hear song and and music inside. Uh, is it like bouncing and can you hear people like slamming their hands on the table? No, it's midday. But at the same time, it's not just like a lonely bard singing to a semi-empty room either. Okay. Well, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say hi to the barkeep. Sir, that sounds like quite a bit of music inside, but, um, you know, sounds like we could really step your party up a bit. Oh, you think so? He takes a big draw from his ale. Got a fine young bard in there. Name's Melody. She's putting on a hell of a show. The lads are eating it up, and the lasses, too. Fantastic. You know what's better than one bard playing, though? I've heard two bards at the same time, but I'm sure you've got something sharper for me, eh? <laughs> we'll see about that. I would like to go inside and see if the bard would like to perform together and maybe do a duet. Yeah, he he the he sort of, you know, gestures you inside, holds the door open for you standing right there. 
He goes, I'll be in in a minute. If you guys want a drink, sit at the bar. I'll get it for you once I return. We'll give Cub a little slap on the back. What do you say, buddy? You down to uh, party? I look at him, and I look towards the front side of the bar. I pluck a not-quite-yet-bloomed flower, and I use my druidcraft cantrip to make it bloom, stick that in the barkeep's pocket, walk right in. You can see a sort of warm smile crest his cheeks and crack his old skin as he sort of gives you like a ain't that the darndest thing sort of look. I walk into that bar almost dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm pretty sure it's ev- no. Um, uh, Brindelin, did you have anything you wanted to do? Um, I would still be meandering around and stealing things from people because <laughs> it would take a while to, you know, get that much food. <laughs> sure. That's right. When we, when we ended off uh, at, at the session before we started today, you were cut pursing and steal and like thieving free food off of the tables, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I remember correctly, we ended it with saying that you had like your entire backpack full. Yep. <laughs> Whatever yep. free space is in there is full of food. Did, did we discuss how many days of worth of rations that yeah, would effectively be? Days. Okay. Yeah. Twenty days of food. <laughs> yeah. Just whistling, stealing, doing the thing. Did you want to continue that past that point? Uh No. Okay. So as the as the sort of festivities go on, you know, Fion Cub, you guys sort of make your way into the tavern and settle in in one way or another. Leon, you sort of see, you know, not a lot is happening. It's a you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, <laughs> this is probably the most exciting this town gets in for months in either direction. But, you know, it's not like there's a fight breaking out or a dragon burning town uh, anywhere. So, you know, it's... If the sun's shining, Leon is having a good day. Yeah, it, and it is exactly that. Or really, you find yourself continuously sort of perusing the same parts of the festival repeatedly, uh, unsure if you've been there before or not. <laughs> Uh, Rodner, you actually get a little bit of insight um, on on sort of, you know, your discussions with some of the other merchants. Uh, they sort of, you get the impression that, and go ahead and give me a investigation roll. Investigation, all right. First roll. Um, doesn't help if I roll it off the table. <laughs> <laughs> 20. Shit. All right, Maybe start, it does. Starting strong. <laughs> yep. um, so you get the impression that a lot of the merchants that are local to this town um, got a tip from uh, a traveling bard that arrived over a week ago that uh, that this was going to be coming and that a lot of the local uh, business owners took that opportunity to sort of stock up on supplies so the majority of them are not really interested in buying a lot. They're interested in trying to make a lot of money off of this festival. Okay. So the, the stocks for all of the shops in town are probably pretty well filled. Uh, and and uh, you get the idea that um, now would be probably a good time to buy if you were going to try and buy trade goods. Okay. Or maybe the day after the festivities sort of thing. 
but uh, allegedly things are going to be exciting tonight. But today is there, today is just sort of a, a fanfare. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's good information. <laughs> uh, do you want to inquire after that bard at all, or are you good with that information? Um. Yeah, I was going to be uh, was gonna ask who who this bard was if he uh, was still in in town. Uh, the guy you're talking to is a purveyor of dried goods, um, tanning hides, dried meats. He's clearly uh, either in cahoots and tight with the local game hunters or is one himself. Uh, and he points to one of the public houses uh, and uh, says, oh, it's this lovely blonde-haired lass. Her name is Melody, I think. Kind of fitting for a bard. That's the... That's the bard that's playing at the inn that Coon uh, and cover at? Yeah. Uh, Alright. Well, thank you, sir. Let's see if she might have any more good information. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, time passes. Uh, Fionn, Cub, you two are in the tavern, and... Uh, so you guys walk into this place, and it's about as non-plus simple as a regular tavern can be. Every other board's a little creaky. There's some clearly rooms on the second floor upstairs. The bar is totally mediocre, completely serviceable. There's a couple of tables. There's a small little upstep for a stage where maybe you know five bar, like five humans sized, you know, people could stand on it at the same time without bumping elbows. Maybe even a, enough space for a small performance, even. Uh, but, you know, nothing huge. You could get to tell that maybe they put a couple extra tables up there if no one's performing for the night, just so more people can come in and drink. But, uh, you know, the people in there seem lively. They seem happy, and you can see why. Because they're all, well, the most of them, you know, are looking over at that stage where sits upon it is two stools. One is housing, uh, <laughs> at the time, a very finely dressed uh, woman with long blonde hair just past her shoulders. And she has a very fancy hat with a, little, with a big quill or big feather sticking out of it. And she's all oranges and light blues. Uh, and just clearly is quite the performer. Uh, and she sort of is playing on this massive uh, bass string instrument. Um, the, the whole instrument is nearly as tall as she is, but the huge sweeping notes that she plays as she sort of sings is soothing on the ears and you can feel it in your spine it just relaxes and almost makes the whole column of bone in your back feel like jelly it's ultimately a pleasant experience in a single word i make my way to the front row <laughs> she's charming me i like the cut of her jib uh upon... wait until she's done playing to speak though but okay. i am admiring quite a while admiring, you notice some things. One, she's very, very uh, taken to you. Um, the moment you sort of step up and forward, she immediately recognizes you as a person who walked in and 
knew right where they wanted to sit. Um, and you can see her sort of deep green eyes, and you realize about after looking at her for a good ten seconds after sitting down, she's a half elf, <coughs> and clearly uh, a half elf um, with her elven side being high elf. Her skin is quite fair, even for a half-elf. Cove, uh, I assume you made your way to the bar? Uh, I followed behind Fion, um, just as any good sidekick would do. All right. Uh, you, you're, you're able to pick up on the same clues as well, then. Okay. Um, she's clearly half-elven... You know, you're we're probably not as like immediately able to tell that she's high elven on her elven side, but you can tell she's half elf. And considering that, you know, she's not as sort of a more rustic skinned like the wood elves tend to be, that you know you can put two and two together. Mm-hmm. Not long after, you can hear the door close and the barkeep comes over, and he sort of. Uh, right at the end of her song sort of taps his ale uh, tankard that is empty on the bar top a few times. All right, boys, ladies, and everyone else, you want your drinks? I'm back at service. Come on up. And several people take him up on that offer between tracks. So she's sitting on the stage, like, waiting for the next... Uh, track. Yeah, she's given everyone a few minutes to go get fresh drinks and such. I would like to approach her with my, you know, my harps in one hand, but I'm, you know, re- really mellow about it, not trying to make a big deal about it being there. So as you sort of approach the stage, you she locks eyes with you and she goes and like waves her finger and like points down <coughs> um, to the edge of the stage. I approach the edge of the stage. And she sort of says, look down. I look down. You can see that there is uh, a tripwire. Very, very expertly placed along the the perimeter of the stage. I like... I like tap a finger to my temple like, ah... She gives you a simple one-eyed wink and uh, states, well, who are you? I'm going to give a quite deep bow. You can have me make a charisma check if you want me to or something for this kind of stuff. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I am Finn Farstep, and I am taken by your performance. I would very much like to inquire if you would like to perhaps perform together. I could accompany you. She sort of plays her fingers across her her chin and jawline a few moments and goes, I'll tell you this. Let me finish what I have scheduled to perform. I have a contract here, of course. I'm a professional. But when I'm done, I would gladly love to walk the streets with you and play whatever it is that you desire. You seem like a fun sort, and your friend seems well-traveled. And I always love to spend my time amongst fun and well-traveled people. 
Of course, of course. I look forward to everything else that we have planned to play this night. She sort of gives you a, you know, a half-lipped smile. Um, it seems sincere, but, you know, it's a, it's a soft affirmation. And nods as she sort of sets her base up and you can see she, like, leans back over to the back end of the stage and tips up a bottle of wine and takes a few glugs before she sort of, sort of, uh, you know, sets herself back up to continue to play. And it's at about this point that, Rodna, you find yourself walking into the tavern. What a lovely establishment. I wonder if they're in need of spices. <laughs> so you, you, so as you walk in, you sort of see, you know, similar setup as I des- described to them as when they walked in, except obviously there's no music right now. And there's about a good five to eight denizens at the bar top that are in the process of receiving a drink and going back to their their seats. This place almost looks like a performance hall rather than a public house at the first look of it, considering how everyone sort of arranged the chairs and tables. And still you can see why. Uh, The the half-elven... Um, bard on the stage seems like a professional. She's very finely dressed. Uh, and up front, you can see a particular sort. Um, maybe you've seen them at, going about town as you've been doing your business, but uh, that, uh, I'm sorry. Fionn is a what again? High elf. Okay, I thought so. I w- didn't want to like say wood elf on reflex. So you can see that. Uh, there's the high elf and halfling gnome, wood forest gnome there. Okay. Um, I'm going to order an ale. The uh, barkeep seems to be in a really high mood, and he sort of, you know, you sort of slide. You're expected, you know, two silver up or whatever, and he sort of slides half the back and says, nah. in high moods like this and everyone's buying a drink, psh, let's say it's uh, because the wind is fair today. And he sort of begins to serve you up an ale at half price. So let's just say it's, you know, five copper or whatever. Okay. Um, well, I have your attention, sir. Uh... That fine bard, I, I, I had been meaning to talk to her. I, the merchants in town said they had gotten some good information. What, when would her set be over, by chance? And he sort of licks his thumb with some excess ale as he slides your tankard in front of you and says, Ah, that's uh, a fine bard. Her name is Melody. Yes, yeah, she's done some of the businesses around here pretty well. He sort of uh, rubs his thumb and two fingers together. She didn't do it for free, mind you, but... I'm sure some of the fellas around here and some of the ladies who run businesses are doing quite fine with this festival now that they had the time to prepare for it. Uh, I believe she's planning to play for another hour or so, just after lunch. And uh, when things thin around here, I'm sure she'll have some free time before dinner. That might be your time to strike, but it seems like you've got some competition. Those two fellas who was been in here for maybe a few minutes, well, a little longer than that. Short fella's a nice guy. Well, tall one ain't worse either. They seem to have her attention. You might have to compete for it later. 
it won't be hard. Just step over them. <laughs> the barkeep kind of laughs and, you know, sort of rests himself up against part of the empty racks behind him and looks on and points his, points with his finger, his tankard, and his eyes uh, for you to look upon the stage because the bard's about to play again. Okay. So, to the people outside, which is uh, Leon, Orwellio, and Brilina. 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 I'm getting Brilina. it. <laughs> Free, free. Great, fine. I'm just gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I in my last campaign I had a Leonara who shortened her name to Nara, and Val, like Vala was the short for the other character's name. Vala and Nara. I messed it up almost the whole campaign. It was so <laughs> bad. I felt terrible. Um, but anyway. So yeah, what what are the three of you up to? Because some time has passed at this point. Um, is that end kind of look like it's the hip happening place to be? It's or definitely there... one of them. I mean, and you've seen a fair amount of pretty interesting sorts, you know, file in at this point. So it would certainly be on your radar, I would think. Hmm. Well, I believe Orwellio would go to it hearing the lovely music coming out of it. For some reason, it seems to be catching his attention. And he would go into this establishment because he's getting thirsty. This is actually a lot more walking than he's done for a long time. Um, plus, you know, all the people and all that. So uh, would he be able to find, like, a nice kind of, like, corner table or something where he could be relatively... Yeah, you. so you go in and find yourself a seat pretty easy. Um, most of the people are up towards the front, pr- pretty much as close as they can to listen to the bard per- continue to perform. Uh, and and so this place is, you know, you're hardly noticed. I mean, like, the barkeep gives you, like, a quick nod and turns his attention back to uh, the bard as she continues to play her song. A much more upbeat one than the one that sort of echoed before. It has some of the denizens or some of the uh, patrons in, in, in the room sort of, like, tapping their feet and, like... Uh, humming along, or some of them that know the song seem to be singing along with her for the choruses. So, all right. As interesting as that looks, um, he would order himself a drink and um, maybe you know a bite to eat, and try to find a nice corner to sit in with his ale. Uh, and, you uh, have a little difficulty with that because you notice that the barkeep's pretty much enraptured with the performance, so you almost have to like tap on the, the bar top a little bit to get his attention. But once you have it, he's as professional as he could be. Um, <coughs> yeah. Um, he would, not with much ceremony or conversation, just kind of order himself one drink and slide the coins forward. Similar treatment. You, you know, slide forward, like, one or two silver for the meal, and he sort of slides one back to you and says, ah, just a silver for the for the midday, my thanks. And he sort of gets you a drink, and uh, sort of, uh, you can see him sort of lean back and yell into the kitchen a little bit. Not long before, or not long afterwards, uh, you're served a pretty nice little huntsman sandwich type situation where it's like a pretty, pretty haughty loaf uh and uh, pretty sizable sandwich. I mean, like, you paid for a meal and you got a sandwich. It's a pretty big sandwich. Hell yeah. 
he would uh he would gladly take that away from the bar and large influx of people and uh start to nosh on it and uh you know what his friend deserves to see the show too he's gonna pull out that little skull wearing a hat and he's gonna put it on the table and turn it towards the bard okay and uh he's gonna put a little biscotti or something in its mouth <laughs> like a <double> cigar <laughs> And he's just gonna sit there in silence and eat. I like the expectation that there's fucking biscotti here. Like, <laughs> Maybe he brought it with him. You don't know. No, I don't. But I do know that if you didn't put it on your character sheet, you ain't got fucking biscotti. I got ten days of rations. One of those days is just biscottis. <laughs> uh, Roll for biscotti. <laughs> Is that a D100 or? It's a D fuck no. The DC is 100. You can put some hardtack in that skull's mouth, but you don't have fucking biscotti. All right, fine. It's a biscuit. <laughs> there's taking liberty, and then there's taking the whole fucking. There's taking liberty, and then there's taking biscotti. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the breaking point of fantasy campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. You gotta be somewhat realistic here. Where is their Yalzar France? Like, (laughs) fair enough. All right, there's a biscuit in the skull's mouth. Yes, little piece of heart tack. And uh, and and the skull appreciates the only way a skull can. Quietly. Yes. And uh, with that, he would kind of just sit there in silence, looking small and weird as he eats the sandwich yeah. with the skull in it. Fell that. All right. Um, so, Leon, let's go ahead and say that uh, this tavern is the one that you've been sort of posting up on. Uh, uh-huh. And you can hear it's getting pretty lively in there. So, uh, Leon will see uh, Radnar. Radnar. Radnar? How do you say that? Radnar. Radnar. Rodnar, okay, phonetically. Uh, Rodnar, go in, and uh, since he spent probably a couple days traveling with him, uh, he'll follow him in, you know. Uh, he'll look at the bar, and he'll, he'll kind of touch his, the berms on his throat and kind of just look at the bar for a little bit too long, and then he kind of shake his head, grab his water skin, and, you know, take a slug of water, and then scan the room for Rodnar. You see Rodnar, but you also definitely see Orwellio sitting at a table. And you see a fucking skull with a piece of hardtack sticking out of its jowl. So uh, now, now, there's, just... now there's choices. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll, Leon will walk up behind uh, Orwellio and put his hand on his shoulder. <laughs> and go, excuse me, sir. Fucking color spray. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have that spell? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I believe that's a con save, isn't it? That's a con save. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, fourteen. Does that save? Uh, let me see here. I have it written down here. What my see ten plus thirteen? Yeah, just barely, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Solid thirteen. And what happens if he saves? I think nothing. Okay. Why don't we double check? Man, PvP first session, love it. <laughs> <laughs> it um, yeah, it kind of just says, you know, 
each creature affected by the spell is blind until the spell ends. Do you get to choose how many creatures, or is it everybody in the radius? Uh, I roll a 6d10. That's the amount of hit points of creatures that I can affect with it. Well, considering the count, I just decided you. Okay. I, I don't know how the spell worked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, no, no, it's not, it, there's no save for this spell. Oh, there's not? Yeah, so roll, t- roll 6d10. Oh, no. <laughs> 27. Right, so 27. How many hit points do you have, Leon? I have 20. Okay. So, since you guys are in the back of the room and you aimed it over your shoulder, I'm going to assume that the color spray hit just Leon. Pocket sand. So, I'm blind? Is that is that the oh, fact? I'm of- reading the spell. Yeah. Yeah. With the creature for, 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 is blinded until the spell ends. It lasts one round. So you put your hand on this fucking guy's shoulder, ask him something, and by the time you get it out, you can hear him, you know, enchant like incanting, and then just like over his shoulder facing you is his fingers, and then blah, just a, a, a blast of chromatic oh. colors just overwhelms your senses uh, for a moment. The light take you, sir! And I'm going to cast light with my hand still on his shoulder, because I can't see. Okay. Sorry, he's already screaming, Do not touch it! Do not touch it! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So, uh, what is it? I think it's a deck save, uh, for unless you allow it. What? Yeah, so if you target an object held or worn by a hostile creature, creature must succeed on a deck saving throw to avoid the spell. So I'm going to cast light on him, because I can't see. Oh, you're casting light on him. Gotcha. I didn't on understand why there was... I'm, I'm touching him. Right, 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 right. So that's where my hand is. Yeah, so... <laughs> so he makes a save, right? Yes, deck save. All right. Can I just choose to auto-fail the deck save? If you'd like to, yeah. <laughs> yeah... Okay, there is light on your shoulder. Uh, isn't it his whole being? <laughs> um, it's yeah. I guess it can be. It doesn't really say. Um, larger, yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah. So because because he's not a size larger than you, he's just completely illuminated, right? Okay, then we'll go with that. <laughs> Orwellio <right>. glows. <laughs> he is luminous. I am Orwellio de glow stick. <laughs> Uh, it's at this point where um, there's an audible shatter uh, of wood um, and the music screeches to a stop the barkeep is pointing a mostly broken tankard uh, at you holding it still by the remaining handle and, and like splintered wood that makes up the rest of the mug and he points that sort of like pseudo improv fist weapon at you two and says it stops or people bleed who said that I mean it's been a couple of seconds this <laughs> Leon would just kind of like <laughs> nod his head towards the the, the, the bartender and, and then turn back to Orwellio and go as I was saying sir you realize there is a skull on your table 
Um, Orwellio needs a few seconds to come down because right now he's still can't evening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was grasped. I but just wanted to crush your shoulder. Calms down. Chase is a skull. Is Orwellio. And he kind of would like poke the biscuit further into the skull's mouth. You notice like that there's a bite. Clearly... There's a bite missing. Yes, my boy. Uh, I can concentrate that for you if you would like. Do not touch. He says. And suddenly he's not joking. Hmm. Very well. Fradnar, my good friend. <laughs> I don't know, Roger. Are you like, I don't know this motherfucker. I don't know this motherfucker. <laughs> Oh God, I've never read this man. <laughs> How long do I glow for, by the way? Am I just oh, luminescent? I'll, I'll drop it for an hour if I left it up, but I'm not mean. <laughs> <laughs> Be honest, you've gotten yourself into a fine mess already. I, I, I did no such thing. I merely was trying to, to help this gentleman with his problem. Orwellio would like wrap an arm around the skull and like pull it close to him. Uh, another bite of the biscuit's missing. Yes, boy. <laughs> Where is this biscuit going? Don't worry <laughs> about it. Has it. no digestive system. Uh, the true mystery of the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> you should see him at a buffet. <laughs> Insatiable. Just drop him in Bree's bag and let's just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, Rodnar, I've been here a little while, and I have yet to find the contact for the Eventual Adventurers Guild. Have you had any luck? Uh, no, I, I have uh, I've been making deals. Ah, very good. Procuring information on the trade goods in the It's area. at this point the bard sort of interrupts your conversation that is the only sound in the room. <laughs> Everybody's just staring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm good with it. And she goes, I'd like to continue playing if that's all right with you gentlemen. Oh, please do. Or well, he like sinks down. inside himself. She sort of gives like a, like a visual ugh, and begins to play once more. It sort of drowns out most conversation. You can still talk to each other, of course, but like, you know. Um, or Orwellio would like, kind of, as Leon mentions the Adventurers Guild, he'd kind of like, kind of raise his hand a few times mm-hmm. without interrupting him until he'd find, until the, the whoop gave him the uh, opening. Uh, Adventurers Guild, these are the guys who give jobs, yes? Yes. I want a job. <laughs> you can't hear him over the music. <laughs> Just that last part that he clearly whispered. <laughs> yes, it gives jobs. Are you interested in joining? I want a job. No. Well, very good. Go. Very good. I want uh, an adventure. With the, with the skull. Yes, he's Orwellio. No, sir, he's a skull. A skull named Aurelio. 
when you when you name them, they are harder to get rid of. I I don't want to get rid of him. Oh, well, that's peculiar in the least. All right. So at this point, fucking camera cuts to other scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bree, make a deception check. Okay, so <clears throat> you've been perusing the festive uh, grounds for more opportunities to uh, pilfer things that you want. And uh, you quite literally get your hand caught in a cookie jar uh, <laughs> as a, a, a firm gauntleted hand grasps uh, you by the shoulder um, and says, Ma'am, I think you should come with us. So he lets go of your shoulder after you give him attention. Um, and you can see he's uh, very clearly a, a representative from the Adventurers Guild. He's got, like, the pin and the, like, the very nice finery and the whole shindig. Um, and uh, he sort of taps his, his badge uh, and says, I think I have an opportunity for you, unless you want to just keep stealing our bread and such. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Come with us. I think I have a perfect a uh, hmm, avenue for your kind of talents. And he sort of gestures you to follow. Okay, I'll follow. Uh, Is my hand still stuck? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't mean that you were stuck. I mean, like, he caught you while you were, like, ah. actively stealing something. <laughs> okay. Um... So he, he walks side by side with you as he introduces himself. He goes, you may know me. Oh, well, probably not. My name is Edric. It's a pleasure to meet you. Name's Brindelin. You can call me Bree. And I will. So, Bree, you clearly are a, well, I don't want to presume your profession, but you seem to be talented with the more subtle arts of things. Yeah, I know my way around things. Well, we here at the guild... Uh, actually, let me ask, before we go further, I might have more information on you than I know. Are you associated with the guild at all? No. Well, I have an opportunity. And he, at that point, he sort of turns a corner uh, away from the festive grounds, and you can see he's leading you pretty pretty obviously to the Adventurer's Guild outpost office. It's like a, a simple, almost mistakable for a residential building, uh, if it wasn't for the, you know, signage. Uh, well, there's a particularly powerful artifact in my possession at the outpost here. And I'm looking for a group of people with a, a nice array of well-rounded talents and skill sets to transport said artifact to some very important people. And he sort of opens the door at this point and gestures you to enter. And if I say no? Then I will tell you to keep your hands away from the goods for everyone else. I can see you already have enough, and that'll be that. Enjoy your life, no problem. <laughs> but it does pay well. About uh -huh. 10,000 gold well. What? 
me more about this. This item. He sort of, again, gestures inside. Okay, now walk in. Uh, it's almost like a doctor's office waiting room, for lack of a better descriptor. Uh, there's a several seats, um, a, a clerk's t- uh, desk, and behind the clerk's desk is a hallway. Uh, he says, I want you to come over to this desk with me and sign your name in. And should you come back tomorrow, I will in- investigate to see if we can find a group for you to work with and you will learn so much more but I can tell you this the artifact is important to this world not just to this town and not just to you or I it is important it's important to everyone sorry I cut out there for a second and I hope that that snares your interest. Yes, yes. Now, you say I have to sign my name? Uh, yes. Simply put, we're going to be screening a lot of people tomorrow to see who is, well, calibrated or talented enough to help us with this mission. It is very important, and we'd hate to put this very, very sensitive and valuable task in the hands of, well, a couple of farmer's sons. Well, I'm surely not that. Um, would I... Would I know anything more about, like... I don't know, signing my name just randomly for a stranger seems like weird. Uh, to me. Sure. Um... I mean, he sort of makes it up to the point where, like, you can just write down Brie, and they'll call your name, and you can skip some of the trials and, and BS. Okay. You don't, he's not asking for your full title or anything like that. Okay. Okay, yeah, then I would just do that. Okay. And he says, uh, before he sort of leads you back to the door uh, out, and he says, come by just after breakfast, as close to sunset as you can manage. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to you helping with us. All right, I will see you then. Good, good, good. Thank you, Bree. And with that, he sort of closes the door as you leave. So for the rest of you, hmm. some time passes. Uh, presumably, no one else sort of gets into a fist fight or borderline <laughs> one. And Melody wraps up her set for the day. As you can see, she's sort of uh, stowing her bow uh, for her, you know, instrument away and uh, putting in her case for her instrument, her instrument, and uh, deftly disarms her tripwires around the edge of the stage. Um, I'd like to kind of just hang out at the foot of the stage, plucking on my heart. Anyone else? Um, no, I'll probably just kind of relax and, and enjoy the show, wait for it's over so I can get some more information. <clears throat> I will... I have it a sip of the air. <laughs> I will nudge uh, good old Mr. Farstep here. 
and like motion towards Melody and like wrap my arms around myself as if like I'm making fun of him for like trying to fall in love with this woman. <laughs> and kissy faces. I uh I bonk him on the head as I pull my hands back on another string string strumming and then go back to strumming. I I give a little pout and I'll save that for later. So she brandishes like a battle axe uh, a smaller loot or sorry a liar um, and uh, sort of begins to walk off stage and sort of as she passes she sort of locks eyes with each of the five of you and then you know between looking at each of you she flicks her eyes at the outside uh, leading door uh, and begins to walk that direction Is, is Leon still way too close to Aurelio? Oh yeah, I would. I'd probably say within an arm's reach. Just not like that skull. Did she look at us? Yeah. Well, she looked at me. Did she look at you? I go where I them eyes are pointing. I hope not. I think she wants to go five to one. <laughs> you Jesus. never go five to one. What do you mean? Even if you're the five or the one, you just don't go five to one. It's it's a known adventuring role. Anyways, let's go see what she actually wants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a known role? <laughs> don't spit roast the party. Nice. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so assumedly you all make your way out into the street as sort of evening descends. Yeah, these guys know where a job is. Uh, and she sort of lazily, even leisurely, plays a sort of simple song on her lyre as she sort of steps down the road, in the very middle of it, like she owns the fucking place. Uh, and to whoever's by her side, she sort of, you know, interacts with. Uh, saying, you know... You boys seem like you're looking for work by the sound of it. Well, yes, he did say he is looking for a job. Is that all of you or just him? I uh, would like to kind of follow along with her on my harp as we mm -hmm. Give me a performance check. Yes, sir. Okay. So you can tell uh, something that maybe the rest of the party isn't really picking up on. As you play alongside, like, you know, play with uh, her lead of the music, she's changing it up ever so little at a time, as if to try and throw you off. She's gauging out your talent for playing music. And you can tell she's impressed. Give her a little wink. <laughs> I can tell what she's doing, but I ain't saying nothing. So, you all sort of head towards the center of town, and she turns a corner um, and bumps almost completely into, as if planned, uh, a very well-dressed uh, middle-aged man 
um, in very fine Adventurer's Guild finery. Uh, and he sort of bows and says, Ah, Melody, what a pleasure. And I see you have volunteers, I assume. And she sort of gives a almost playful curtsy and turns to look at the group. And she says, Yes, Edric, I believe some of these, if not all of them, have quite the ability to provide the talent that you've been searching for. Have you found anyone? To which he sort of mulls around with his, you know, his eyes looking to his brow and goes, A few. Some promising, some less so. But I think we may have found someone who steps the shadows, which would be perfect. Are either of these two wearing their, uh, their guild patches by chance? Uh, Edric is in clear full regalia. I mean, if you've ever been to a guild yeah, outpost, but... like, this guy looks like the poster child for it, you know. He's he's proudly repping his 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 company, as it were. So uh, Leon will turn to Melody and go, uh, I, "I'm sorry, Miss, but uh, if you are working for the guild, shouldn't you be wearing your patch visibly?" She sort of uh, unfolds one of the many folds of her sort of like puffy shoulders of her like thespian outfit, and she goes, "Yes, yes," and she reveals her badge a little bit. And Edric kind of gives her a gentle clap on the back and says, Ha! It seems some of us know our rules a little better than the elder of us, eh? Yes, well, it's not always good for business, he sort of turns to you, Leon. It's not always good for business for a bard to sort of walk into a place and immediately show who they work for. But Melody is quite the talent, and I assure you that she knows good people when she sees them. I doubt she would have brought you all here to me if she didn't think that some of you have a good shot of providing what we're looking for. Well, this one, and points to Aurelio, he is, he's a fine magician. I may say so myself. Blinded me with a snap of a finger. He waves awkwardly. <laughs> I give, like, one final strum of my harp that stopped playing, and, like, strap it across my back and give uh, Cub a little little boop on the noggin. We found what we came for. And I display my little guild symbol. Uh, to that, Edric bows. Um, he, like, very, very, very uh, properly bows. Like, places a hand upon his chest, sticks his other hand out, and gives, like, a very uh, generous bow. He says, ah, a contingent member from Felwind. You've come far for us, and I appreciate that. It is good to know that we have allies f- reaching far and wide. I'll go many a distance for a good party in more than one sense kind of giving everybody there a little eye and then bowing in turn well I'm sure there's more than just a single party here for what we have in mind is of well I wouldn't say life and world threatening urgency but I would say of world importance Please, allow me to show you all the rest of the way to the outpost. Uh, if you're interested, that is. Very good. Lead on. Uh, Melody and him sort of, you know, guide you over to the Adventurer's Guild outpost. At this point, Bree, I imagine you're either close by or maybe even, you know, saw this whole conversation go down. Yeah. So you see, quite quite the motley crew following uh, the the very pretty long blonde haired 
uh, Bard and Edric back towards the Adventurers Guild. Okay. Uh, so they go there um, and go inside as sort of sun begins to set fully and darkness begins to sweep, sweep over the town as torches and oil lamps begin to illuminate it back up. The waiting room, main, like, first room of the outpost is uh, pretty devoid. There's a couple of people there. Um, one of them is minding their business and sharpening their arrowheads, uh, while another is seemingly in, like, a meditative state, completely unaware of his surroundings. And Edric sort of gives you all the same gesture that he gave to uh, Bree, which is to please sign your name on this sheet, and you all can see that there's a couple of other names there. Um, and he tells you why. He says, you know, if you all sign your names here, then we can probably skip some of the trials and expectations that I look to find. Uh, some of my talent seekers, Melody, is clearly one of them. If they bring to me what people who seem of promise, then I don't see much need to see if you can hold a sword straight or cast a simple cantrip. You clearly have some talent to get this far. Leon will step up and, you know, just quickly sign his name. Yes. My abilities to sell spices are known far and wide. Orwellia would sign his name, and um, if he could, like, kind of edge so that Leon couldn't see the paper, he'd pull out the skull and sign Orwellio again <laughs> with the pen next to the skull. Okay. I got a passive of 15. Do I see this? I mean, what's, what's your deception? What what is what what is the deception? Yeah, roll roll a deception check. Cool. No. Okay. So it's it's very obvious what he's doing to you. Uh, in fact, you also notice a couple of breadcrumbs. Uh, in the <laughs> skull's teeth. Must you bring that skull everywhere you go? Yes. At, at that point, Edric sort of steps forward um, and says, Leon, please, you must be aware. If he's a talented, arcane professional, some of those types have a catalyst for which they produce their spells from, and that could be his focus, and, well... I would imagine he would want to keep that anywhere. He doesn't seem to be... Well, actually, forgive me, uh, or Wellio, you do have a tome upon you. Are you a trained wizard from Yao, perhaps? Yes. Let's see. Yes, I am. I know very much about the manner of wizardry they teach. He definitely needs some manner of focus for which to channel his arcane spells through. I would leave it be, my man. He no doubt store value. Be careful with the forces of necromancy. They can turn easily upon you. He is a no necromancy. Just Orwellio. Alright. So. Does anyone not sign? I sign, and I do it with a flourish, <laughs> and a lit like a little butterfly at the end. 
Is the I in your name like a little heart? Yeah, but I put a butterfly. Okay. <laughs> Cub. I will basically just pull out a blueberry and just smack it on the paper. Okay. Uh, Edric gives you like a confused but sort of a, a, a frumpy smile, like a confused but like approval of, all right, that I'll know who you are then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a signature of a different color, I suppose. I just smile and walk back. And he tells you all the same thing that he told Bree. Please come back just after breakfast, as close to sunrise as you can manage. I have a strong suspicion that I have an idea of who I might be sending on this task. Oh, and to be clear, I can't tell you too much details until I'm for sure that you all will be the person we, the people we put to enlist. But I can tell you this. Upon su success of this mission, the guild has entrusted upon to me the right to bequeath upon each of you a payment of 10,000 gold coins. This is good. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Hmm. The guild typically does not have payouts quite that large. It must be a difficult mission well, we, indeed. He, he, he sort of like interjects. We have a very influential benefactor in the great city, you see. Uh who has a very vested interest in ensuring that this goes without any hitch whatsoever, incentivizing whoever might be, well, not a small lord into service, you see. There's also been other adventurers I've talked to that high payment normally means to ensure the delivery of said item, so if one does not take the item instead of the payment. Miscreants, I say. Agreed, but do not let that sort of attempt of, 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 of concept poison what you all may perceive of this quest. It is of the must, utmost importance that it be done. And with that, I say to you all a good night, and again, as quick as you can with the sunrise. Bye, have a beautiful time. <laughs> 10,000... It's a lot of that's scratch. Enough to, that's enough to buy my party sail ship. <laughs> what what is a party sail ship? It's a ship for sailing and partying, of course. He's on at a tin. Hmm. Weird concepts you elves have. Sail from port to port and party the whole way there. <laughs> what of, of rocks and logs in the water? Wouldn't one need to watch for those? I look around everybody else. You sail around them. Yeah, but if everyone is partying, as you say, then who watches for them? Aurelio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, see that guy. I will take a step away from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> have, have they left the... 
I'm presuming that Edric has sort of ushered them out at this point since they've sort of devolved into just like flapping their lips. <laughs> can, I, can I be like near the area and like see them walk out? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then I would want to like run up and be like, hey, hey, you guys! Did y'all get roped into this weird ass adventure too? <laughs> Orwellio doesn't use color spray on the gnome. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you normalize that to the point where you have to clarify for every fucking person you meet whether or not you color spray them. I cast flare. <laughs> well, quite the opposite. I I came here looking for this job. Huh. I would also like it to work. Yes. I, <laughs> I want to get at the nice things. Oh, aren't you a strange little man? You know, speaking of nice things, I'm actually lighting up this wonderful Critical Wick candle. Do you know that Critical Wick soy candles have scents themed after Dungeons & Dragons? And at the base of every candle is a metal, D, uh, metal dice. Die, die? I can talk real good, I swear. No way. Yes, way. Tell me more. You just have to Google search Critical Wick, and you'll certainly find the website where you can find high-quality, affordable uh, candles that are, again, I must must impress, are very, very good. In fact, Orwellio is burning rogue as we speak. Now I'm burning sorcerer. What? I don't have sorcerer. It's good. It's got a nice, like, borderline citrus but cinnamony, like, feel to it. It's very pleasant. Anyway, uh, commercial over. <laughs> <laughs> Me being the little cherub I am, I, uh, without saying a word, run up to this other gnome and just start taking my blueberry-smathered hand and just shake her hand just and jumping up and down, taking my hand above my head and then above her head, just, like, showing that we're the same height. Yeah, I'd get real excited about that, too, and, like, giggle a lot and laugh and jump around, too. To the rest of you, this must be some sort of weird forest gnome greeting. <laughs> I'm or looking at my speechless. hands together. I'm so excited for it. I'm looking at the gnomes. I'm looking at the elf. And then I'm looking at the, the, the weird human. And I'm just shaking my head. I'm surrounded. Oh, Rodnar is around. So I don't feel so left out. How the hell did named Rodnar the Red. <laughs> To kind of answer Bree's question, I just kind of point towards uh, Fionn. I point towards myself. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, under, oh, I'll turn back and just kind of like real quick, just stick my tongue out. Uh, it's at about this point that the door to the Adventurer's Guild gets kicked open and out comes Melody. Uh, and she strums really like exaggeratedly on her lyre full once hitting every chord and goes I think it is time to return to the inn and get and she like holds her offhand up and like bounces an audibly jingling coin pouch and get drunk I fucking cheer about that (laughs) this is good and swing my heart back around 
Leon will get visibly kind of anxious and go, mm, maybe another time. I think I shall retire for the evening. She gives you a nice gentle uh, strum of her fingers across your shoulder and goes, very well, more wine for me, and begins to trot down the street, uh, jingling the coin pouch and strumming her lyre. I follow her. Can I, like, grab Cub's hand and, like, just start running towards her? Following? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even Orwellio gets drunk, yeah, he's in. That's where the party is, I'm there. So the rest of the evening is a pleasant blur of experiences. You get back to the inn that you all were in before. She, You see Melody slam the coin purse of, like, easily ten-plus gold uh, in front of the barkeep. He gives a big old smile and nod and breaks out a huge barrel from the back room and taps it and says, this one's for you all, and just sets up a series of, of empty mugs and taps the barrel and... and gives you like a go for it kind of nod flashback in it's sometime later everyone make constitution saves (laughs) are you adding uh adding your modifiers to that when you roll no i'm kind of doing that mentally yeah no but it's a 17. Okay. Cub is a 7. All right, so <laughs> lightweight. So let's so let's do this. Let's go through sort of a tutorial for how we like to do this here. When I tell more than one person or basically if, if I ever tell the whole party to make a save, uh make your roll, do your math, get your number for what you rolled and instead of blurting it out cuz I'm not going to be able to keep track of all six of those numbers, uh just sort of reserve it Write it down if you need to, and then I'm going to go through and ask what everyone got. So uh-huh. every, has everyone gotten their save? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, Orwellio, what did you? What was your? Seventeen. Bree. Seventeen. Leon. Is asleep. Right. Uh, Fion. Thirteen. Cub. Seven. And Rodnar. 11. Okay, so Rodnar and Cub, uh, you guys get drunk and pass out over the course of the evening. The rest of you are able to hold your, your liquor with, uh, with Melody. Um, the party's grand, even for the people who pass out a little early. Um, in fact, as the things, as the night goes on, uh, you know, people, you know, are playing music and dancing on the tables and the innkeeper's paid, so he's fucking loving it. Um, you know, no one gets into a fist fight. No one brandishes any weapons. Nothing crazy like that. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a damn good night, uh, full of celebration and indulgences. <clears throat> um, and as the night sort of comes to a, a, a an end, um, Melanie has like grabbed Cub by the by the forearms and has him like hanging over her back like a backpack. And she's, like, sort of dancing very exaggeratedly, like, one step at a time up the stairs uh, and sort of opens one of the doors to the public house and just, like, throws him onto a bed. Uh, And sort of she points to Rodnar, who's passed out, like, leaning onto a table. 
um, like sitting in a chair, falling onto the table with his upper body. And she's like, use to get him up here. He's got to... He's got to not sleep out in the middle of everything. I help get him to the place. <laughs> uh, you all get him into another bed and... Um, um, I want to be carried, like Cup was. Okay. Uh, Melody picks you up and does the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was just pure bliss right yeah, there. That's great. That's fantastic. Great RP. Yeah. So you all get sort of ushered into that room, and there's like six beds in there. So even though there's a, there's a you know a spare one. Um, and, you know, the night sort of ends with Melody, like, shutting the door and, it, like, f- like not shutting because of how hard she slammed it shut and sort of just gently ajar. Uh, everyone who's not asleep or, you know, passed out from being drunk, make a con save. Okay. Liking these metal dice. All right. Theon, what you got? I got 16. Okay. Uh, Bree? Uh, 7. And Orwellio? Uh, 12. So, Fion, um, the other two of you fall asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow. Uh, Fion, I'll give you the option. Do you want to get up and close the door before you pass out? I do. Clutch. Um, <laughs> you go up and close the door and then immediately fall back into your bed. So, <laughs> the sun uh, is uh, good. Oh, uh, so just a quick point with yeah. Leon. He sleeps in his armor. Mm-hmm. Um, if I got to suffer, whatever. But that's part of him. <laughs> and then he will be up as like as early as possible. He'll never miss the dawn if he if able. Okay. So, on that, you need to make con saves, or you take a stage of exhaustion. Okay. Uh, Nineteen. Okay. Pass. So basically, every night you need to make a con save DC ten. Um, okay. Well, because you're wearing medium armor. Medium. Yeah, that will go up if you're wearing heavy armor. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fine. Cool. All right. So everyone except for uh, Rodnar and Cub wake up. You know, maybe a little bit of a pounding in your head, except for Leon. Uh, but you know you're able to wake up with the crow of uh, of of dawn. Um, but to to your not at all surprise, you see Cub and Rodna are just like if you leave them, they will just continue to sleep. <laughs> I will carry Cub on my back if he lets me. Cub, make a Constitution saving throw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, he stays asleep. <laughs> Fantastic. Does anyone wake up, Rodnar? Let Orwellio. All right. Um, can I cast Mage Hand to gently shake him awake? Yes. He does that. All right. Because he doesn't actually want to touch him. Right. So Rodnar, you're woken up by sort of a gentle shaking. Spices. You're suffering one stage of exhaustion. 
as as he wakes up, the mage hand just pokes a finger against his lips. <laughs> uh, Leon, you're in another room, um, and you feel f- fucking fit as a fiddle. So Leon would get up and he would go outside to a, not a well, like traveled area, but a, a, a brightly lit area on dawn, and he'll he'll start to strip off his armor. Okay. So, and, and once he does that, he'll, like, down to, like, briefs. Um, he'll do a morning ritual. It takes about 15 minutes, and basically he just faces the sun and just kind of does his meditation yeah. um, and absorbs the warmth of the sun to start the new day. Sort of bathes in the dark. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Wash the night away. Gotcha. Very cool. I dig Here's it. the sun. All right. So uh, through one fashion or another, you guys sort of pull yourselves together. Uh, do you all meet back up uh, for breakfast at the public house or no? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, breakfast is just the morning party. Hell yeah, I do. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the party. So good. Um. <laughs> So the, the 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 tavern keeper sort of pulls himself up from behind the bar and like rubs one of his eyes uh, as he clearly wakes up from back there. Uh, and you can see the barrel that you all did a number on is like on its side on the ground, uh, sort of like propped up vertically so it's not dripping. Um, and you can see, you know, as you all sort of find yourself at a table, he, like, goes over and hoists the barrel with a creak of his back and puts it back in the storage room and leans on the the bar and goes, Breakfast! Seven yes. people. Breakfast. And oh, breakfast. Best meal of the day. Uh, Leon, to your... Not at all surprised. Uh, th- this place looks like a small tornado came through. Some several of the tables are like pushed to like one side of the room. Multiple chairs are like flipped onto their sides and shit. Yeah, this most of the place looks fine, but you know it's clear that a party went down. He he will obviously ignore everything that had to do with that. Gotcha. All right, so. Not before long, a uh, tall for a halfling uh, comes out, and well, I'm, I'm saying that it's like he's a four foot halfling. Well, I'm saying that as in to the, to the more to the more groggy amongst you, you're like, oh, this is just like a old, you know, an older child, like a like a teenager, but uh, you know, to the more aware or to at least the more perceptive, you can go, oh, this is just a this is just a tall halfling. Um, the world's holest halfling. <laughs> God damn it! Three quarters. <laughs> it's three uh in their lands, um, and they come out and bring a series of seven large trays of uh, fruits, meats, um, a couple of of root vegetables that are just like raw carrots and stuff like that, um, and just uh, each each plate has like several you know scrambled up eggs and. Um, you know, there's a big uh, pitcher of, of juice and a pitcher of milk and several small glasses to serve yourselves from. Um, and the barkeep gives, sits at the table with you all, as is one of the seven, um, and pays for breakfast by putting a gold in their hand. And they go, thanks, 
boss? And you just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, go make more. And with that, the halfling sort of scoots off back to the kitchen. Do any of these plates have cheese? Yes, of course. Then well, I will just scrounge up as much cheese as I can. I give him my extra cheese. <laughs> I, was about to say, I, I shake Cub awake. <laughs> yeah, first, first and foremost, you wake. Oh, I thought we were already awake. No, oh, <laughs> you didn't wake, wake up. Like, <laughs> oh, like I smelling just... salts, but cheese. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he wakes up. His <laughs> eyes flicker open. Just sees the cheese and just starts scarfing cheese. Right. Like. Yeah. I sponge gar her face, just like, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> All right. So uh, breakfast is, uh, what's the word, rejuvenating uh, for for the majority of you. Um, you find yourself fully in consciousness, maybe a little bit of a head pounding. You know, like I said, two of you are suffering one stage of exhaustion. But, um, you know, after breakfast, you feel pretty pretty good for the day. All right. Or Wellio is happy. Mm. Well, um, no. Go ahead. I've been like sitting with my backpack frontwards in front of me and like putting food in it while I'm eating out of it. <laughs> 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 so you're so you're eating out eating food from yesterday, putting new food in there. Yes. Gotcha. The left. The left hand's pulling out a loaf of bread while the right hand's scraping in eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the idea that you're scraping, like, scrambled eggs into your backpack. That's going to be really gross. <laughs> it's fine. Or well, will eat it. Yeah. So after the, not a barbarian. the tavern keep finishes his breakfast, he sort of, like, stands up and goes... You guys are, you all are welcome uh, anytime, but not today. <laughs> I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And he just like <laughs> lazily walks away behind, towards like the kitchen. Leon will call after him, may the sun warm your face. Sort of gives like a limp hand. It's, uh, <laughs> so. Now that everybody has been fed, shall we go and seek opportunity? Uh, yes. We have uh, an appointment at the adventures. You mustn't be late. The, the, the sake of the world is at stake. Oh, yeah, that's right. I raise up a fork with food on it to the next party. <laughs> I shrug yeah. and just eat another piece of cheese. <laughs> yeah, we're in. <laughs> so you guys make your way over to the Adventurers Guild, and you can see that there is a group of people outside that are eagerly excited. Uh, and Edric is um, standing at the head of that group, and you can hear his speech as you approach. Adventurers! People of this town and others, thank you for coming and joining us. Please, uh, separate yourselves into whatever groups you've come to participate in, and we will begin the Games of Trials 
to see which of you are up for the task. And you can sort of see for a moment he makes eye contact with your group and he just sort of flicks his eyes towards the front door of the outpost. Well, I, I think he would like us to go to the front door of the outpost. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is going to be fucking laborious. Everybody likes to, to look at me and then look elsewhere. It's It's kind of nice. Yeah, start walking <laughs> over. <laughs> Do you all go in? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I hold, I hold my still pounding head and walk along. Uh, so you you all get inside um, as the sort of crowd begins to sort of scuttle around into small groups of three and two, a uh, couple groups of four and five. And as you go in, you can see there is a uh, rock gnome sitting at the clerk desk. And no one else is in the waiting room. And he looks at you all and go, Oh, uh, you're in early from the trials, or, or are you here for other reasons? Well, the Ed- Edric out there looked at me and then looked at the door, so I assumed he wanted me to come speak to you. Uh, uh, yes, 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 yes. yes. And he sort of fumbles some of the scrolls on his desk and pulls out a list that looks like a piece of paper that the majority of you signed yesterday, or all of you signed yesterday. Yes, I have a list of Edricks of uh, particularly interesting individuals, uh, and he sort of begins to rattle off um, a handful of names of eventually each of you. And he says, you know, Bree. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leon Donbringer. Present. Uh, Orwellio, I believe. He raises his hand. Uh, Fion. Finger guns. And. Uh, is this, is this, this is a blueberry? I just, just like. Uh. <laughs> right. Uh, and Rodnar. Hello. Ah, brilliant. Yes, several other people here, but. Uh, come, come on back. Uh, there is one of our main officers that is looking to speak to people that Edric has recommended. Uh, follow me. And he sort of jumps out of his chair and sort of scuttles towards a side alley and gestures you all to follow. Leon will turn to Aurelio uh, and go, oh, I'm afraid you'd have to leave your skull here as he did not call out its name. He's Aurelio. Well, <laughs> yesterday I saw you clearly write your name twice and the skull wrote its name second, and the name was not called. He waves his hand. He save it a time. Hmm? He save it a time. I want to lean over to Orwellio and be like, he's a weird fellow, isn't he? He don't even drink. (laughs) (laughs) So the the rock gnome sort of gestures for you all to follow and, and leads you down a sizable hallway past several doors and then stops in front of what seems to be like a blank part of the wall and then he produces from his pocket a key uh he leans up a little bit uh maybe like pushing forward his weight onto the front of his feet and his heels drifting just up into the air a little uh and you see he sort of digs the key effortlessly into the wall and turns it as if he's turning a lock when he retrieves the key from that uh, sudden keyhole, the panel of the wall imprints in two inches or so and then slides and reveals a secret chamber. This is fancy. <laughs> to that, the rock gnome steps to the side and gestures, please enter. The officer will be with you in just a moment. 
or when Leo walks in. I steep my fingers excitedly. Ooh, secret passage. <laughs> so you guys go step into a very nice office. Very nice office. Now, I mean, it's not like, man, I should steal some of the rug here because it's glittered with gold. Nice, but it's pretty nice. Uh, there are a, a, a sort of half circle of, of fine chairs set before a sizable desk that has all manner of accoutrement upon it and a uh, etched into the front in a gilded plaque. It says, Miss Mortimer Old Swallow. Cub giggles like a little child. I also snicker. Eric snickers. Leon does not. <laughs> well, I'm giggling because other people are giggling. <clears throat> and, uh, do you all make yourselves at home? Yes. Yes. Yeah, man, I kick up my feet, get okay. real comfy. On to where? Uh, is there anywhere for me to kick my feet up while sitting? I mean, the desk, probably. I do that. All right. Uh, the wall that's like a, a hearth behind the desk sort of twists like it's a fake panel. Um, and out from it steps an old human woman with uh, long, white and silvery hair put up into almost... I want to describe it as like a beehive, but not... It's it's more... It's more it's like, an, like a bun that's tight to her head rather than a beehive. But like... An, up, an updo, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, I so take it's, my feet down. She immediately gives you a stern look without opening her mouth as she clearly saw what you had been doing before she arrived. <clears throat> and uh, you recognize that she's in some very fine attire. Uh, she is not branded with a badge that denotes her as being a member of the Adventurer's Guild, but she sits at the desk and looks, up, looks at each of you very intently for a few seconds. And very clearly nods a little at each of you. And her voice, finally, that she produces is stern and strong. Not dismissive, as that might suggest, but, but definitely present. It, I would order, borderline and say unignorable. <clears throat> very well. You all will do, I think, finally. It is very nice to meet you. You all have probably already read my name and had a good laugh at it. You've pronounced it incorrectly, if you have. I'll not dare enlighten you, because clearly there's still some simplicity in your life. And I think that that is a pleasant thing. And I will let you continue to live that way. <laughs> you may call me Miss O. And she sort of gestures, yeah, like, to, to do so. Well, spit it out. Do we all have voice boxes? Uh, oh. Greetings. Finest greetings. I wave. Miss O. Good to know we have our manners still, then. Well, 
I'm not here to taunt or to tease. I'm here to bestow upon you a very important mission, should you agree to it. With that, she sort of pushes her chair back a little from the desk and relaxes into it a bit more. Very well. Before I begin, I'm going to offer, and this is indeed your last opportunity to do so. The door will be opened when I am done talking. You all will have exactly 10 seconds to raise it from your chairs and leave this room. If you do not, I assume that you are very much interested in this mission, this objective, dare say adventure, and doing so will bind you to it, and I will trust that you will not betray us. If you do, worry not, your death will be swift. And with that gesture, the door slides back open, and she sort of waits very, very patiently. So, so... So, excuse me, Miss O, we have to choose to accept the job before we know what the job is. Is that correct? She gestures towards the door. Five seconds, Mr. Dawnbringer. Ah, very well. I'll accept regardless. An adventure with little to no explanation? I'm in. Two <laughs> questions. And with that, she sort of snaps her, her fingers and the door slides back closed. Very well. I must first, before I explain, apologize for the nature of my secrecy. You see, it must be the utmost care to this. For what I'm about to show you all and explain to you is incredibly, incredibly important, as I'm sure Edric has already impressed upon you to some extent. There are four magic crystals that dwell in our world. Perhaps some of you are educated enough to be familiar with them, and some of you may even be so well studied as to understand their importance. For the rest of you, I do not hold that against you, nor do I expect you to be aware of them before you take this mission. All you need to know is that these crystals are binding anchors to the magic of our domain. In fact, they are so fundamentally important that if should anything ever come to harm them, our world could cease to exist. It will destabilize and fall apart. In fact, it is exactly that concern not a hundred years ago where our world was on the teetering edge and some great hero stepped forward and assisted the world in a time of great need. And we must do so again in preparation for another potential attack on the crystals. It is the job of every breathing member of this world to protect these crystals. They are fully capable themselves most of the time to take, take care and protect. But we must in turn do what we can for what they do for us. And so, with that, and she sort of grabs a large... Uh, box from the the ground next to her chair and sets it on top of the desk it is a really to be honest it's a quite simplistic box uh it looks to be about three feet on one's on the on the length about two feet on the width and about half a foot on the depth if that makes sense am i describing that fair mm-hmm. yeah. um and she says this contains 
a very important artifact. I'm going to give you all a map of the known world. Upon it is going to be marked seven different locations. Those locations have within them very talented and renowned smiths. Each of these smiths is going to refine this artifact. And once all seven have been visited by this by you all with this artifact, I ask that you return to Yal and bring it to me as soon as you can. Because it must be kept safe and placed within trusting hands. Do you all understand what I've said so far? Crystal clear. Yes. Let's give, I give a thumbs up. That's quite the task. It is. And I expect the majority of it will be simple and easy. But we cannot risk this artifact falling into the wrong hands. And should it do so, it could spell the doom that we are aiming to prevent. And, uh, just who are the wrong hands exactly? No, so keep a lookout. We do not know yet. We have found a couple of instances throughout the recent histories. We can tell you this much. Should you find yourself in the company of people brandishing or wearing dark iron medallions in the shape of a hammer, these are known enemies to our cause. There could be more that we don't know. You must stay on your guard. But again, if you go around being evident that you're carrying something important, you will only attract unwanted attention, which is why we are looking for a group of people such as yourself, a medley of Yalzar, it's a group that is could easily be described as an adventuring party to anyone who isn't super suspicious. And you all fit the bill. Dare say perfectly. Or well, he'll give us a thumbs up. So... I, I would assume that you do not want us wearing our badges in plain view as well. You should conduct your life as if you normally would. But remember, it is not any desire for us to bring suspicion to your situation. Is it not totally normal for there to be all manner of adventuring guild members traversing the world? Ah, very good. Understood. There will come a time, I am sure, for your caution. Uh, for the party members, I've posted, excuse me, <coughs> I've posted a picture of the world map that she gives you all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Sorry, there's supposed to be eight. That's some cool places we going. Yep. I count ten. Yeah, well, ten. sorry. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Little yeah. island. The little island. Um, uh, ignore that for now. She didn't explain that part yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, but, it, but <laughs> sorry. It should it should be nine. I'm sorry. My apologies. I'm I'm more prepared than I think I am. Uh, so. If you if you question uh, the the circle on Uinez, she tells you to not concern yourself with that yet. Okay. 
sorry. Um, so, so you guys get a good look at this box. And it is, again, like I said, a simple, like, dark wood box that has a leather strap around one width of it and that ends with a leather seal. Uh, now, what is noteworthy is that this is a blank seal. There is no symbol on the seal. Uh, and she says, now, I give this to you all, and you can take this venture however you wish. In fact, as little information as you can give us, the better, for that would reduce the amount of people who know where you're going. You must go to those places on the map. Find the smiths there. They will know to expect you, but they will not know what they are expecting. So imagine some of them might be quite surprised by your presence. It is will come... Any... Go ahead. Is there anything we should tell these smiths so they know that it is us? If you tell them that Miss O sent you, they will know what to do. Also, if you are looking for more information, you can always go to the local Adventurer's Guild outposts in those regions for more information. In fact, I suggest you do so. Will we die if we leave now? <laughs> if you leave now? No. In fact... If there are no other questions, I ask that you leave now, with your parcel in tow. I take up the parcel. It's not heavy, but it is hefty. Leon, like, reached half-reach for it before he grabbed it and just kind of looks disappointed. Uh, she sort of stands up and tucks the chair into the desk. Oh, and one last thing. When you reach the first smith, inevitably they will need to open the box to do what they need to do with the artifact. I say this as a courtesy to each of you. Do not open the box. Oh no. Once the box is opened by the smiths, are we allowed to peer at the artifact? Naturally that will come with it. I can't expect you all to, to carry something across the fucking world without looking at it. But, in the interest of reducing temptation, I ask you to please do not open the box until it is necessary. That's a fucking cool motorcycle. <laughs> Deliver the box. Keep it casual. Don't look in the box. Got it. Everyone's cool. We all get paid. Oh, and on payment... She uh, opens a drawer to her desk and produces and sort of counts how many of you there are and hands each of you a small uh, stack of platinum. Ooh, platinum shiny. She she pays you each 50 gold and she says, this should be enough to cover your initial travel expenses for the time. I, I understand there is a substantial coffer waiting for each of you when you complete your mission. While the Adventurer's Guild will absolutely offer assistance when able, I would expect this to be the last financial boon we give you until the mission is complete. And what am I gonna buy? And allow me to make this clear. 
This mission is important. However, its success is paramount. If you feel that you must lay low, take your time, keep your head down, that is desirable over hasty malcontent. There is not a time expectancy on the completion. Only its completion. However, if it has been more than five years, which I doubt it will take, we will come looking for you. And we will find you. So keep it, uh, keep it a quick, he says, looking at Leon. Five no. years, I don't think, is exactly quick. She says, continue to work towards progress, but when progress has been halted, take heed that that is also good. What? Five I will explain on the way. The <laughs> Either way, be off. Out of my office this instant. And with that, she sort of st- slow closes the, the desk drawer and disappears back out of the way she came as the hearth wall sort of panels back into place. And with that, we will end our first session tonight. Yeah. I hope you all enjoyed your first session of the Sword of Yalzar campaign. I've been your host and Dungeon Master Kenny. We had our druid. That's me, cub. Our rogue. Brindling, you can call me Bree. Our ranger. Spice. Our cleric. <laughs> Leon Donbringer. Our paladin. See you next week, guys. Finn, party on. And our sorcerer. It's a me, Orwellio. Good night, everybody. Night. Yeah.